Hello everyone, we're going to speak again about the concept of morality. We're going to discuss two paragraphs. In Hegel's Encyclopedia, paragraph 511 and 512. And these two paragraphs mark the transition from morality into social ethics. And social ethics, that has been the goal of all these videos, uh, of all these studies to begin with, I wanted to discuss in quite some detail the uh, the text of um, the lectures on the philosophy of right concerning um, the social ethics. And I chose to discuss the paragraphs in the encyclopedia because it seemed to take um, more than uh, two years to get to social ethics um, while working through the text of um, the lectures on philosophy of right. So that's why we're now going to speak about the transition and next time about the first couple of paragraphs of social ethics. Um, just to make uh, our journey as fast and efficient as possible. Now, just to say a few things in general, we find in these final paragraphs Hegel's um, analysis of the main, the fundamental inner contradiction of morality. Um, and there are two aspects to that. First of all, um, the high point of morality is the very universal but also very abstract concept of the good. Now, this general and abstract concept of the good presupposes a divide between the subjectivity of the will and a world of objective determinations. It isn't sure, I cannot be sure that my good will or the good that I want to achieve um, will in reality lead to something good. I'm not sure that I can achieve goodness because that seems to depend uh, to a very high degree upon the circumstances and causes that are effective in the world. So my uh, freedom as determined by this idea of the good, by this inner conscience, this will of the good, uh, has no objectivity as such. It is always in opposition to something else. Secondly, it is obvious, then, if it has no reality on its own, that the good depends on my choices. I have to choose the good, and then I'm dependent upon the circumstances whether or not that good will be achieved. So, as soon as I talk about the subjectivity of my will, of my will to do the good, 
There is also this other possibility ingrained into my freedom, and that is the possibility of evil. Now, just talking about it a little bit outside of Hegel's text, you can imagine something like this. Um, I want to do the good, but because of my lack of understanding of the circumstances, my ultimate action achieves not the good, but its opposite. Um, one example might be that I want to do a friend a favor, and he has complained about the condition of his house to me several times. And then he hands me the key of his house and he's going on a holiday for two weeks, and I can babysit the house. So I decide to do him a favor and paint his house for him. But um, as a matter of fact, uh, well, forget about the key. Um, I see the house standing there, and my friend is obviously not at home. Um, so I take up my paintbrushes and my cans of paint, and I start painting the house. And it's finished after two weeks, so I can proudly show my friend what I have done for him. I have done something good. And then my friend stands in front of his house and he says, You fool, you have just painted the house of my neighbor. Which means that I have done evil to his fr this friend's neighbor, who doesn't like the color, doesn't like my action at all, <clears throat> and I have to compensate him for that. And my friend still has the same house as before. So my good intention is turned into something evil by the fact that the circumstances of my good intent were different from what I imagined them to be. So simply because I'm not able to uh, fully understand, fully know the consequences of my actions, because I cannot fully know the circumstances of my actions, it's possible that my intention to do the good turns out to be an action of evil. Now that is one inner contradiction. The other inner contradiction is that um, I might um, want something which in a sense is good for me, but which I know to be evil as well, um, because my freedom in this case, at this stage, is not determined by a good reality as such. It's determined by my subjective choices. So what is um, stopping me from wanting to do evil? What if my intentions are not good? Then there is nothing within my freedom that will prevent that. So, the good appears here both as the apex of morality and as a contradiction with itself, um, which, as Hegel will say, um, 
falls into itself. It uh, collapses. Now let's read paragraph 511. Der allseitige Widerspruch, welchen dieses vielfache Sollen, das absolute Sein, welches doch zugleich nicht ist, ausdrückt, enthält die abstrakteste Analyse des Geistes in ihm selbst, sein tiefstes in sich gehen. So, um, the contradiction which uh, exists on all sides in every element of this concept of the good, um, which is expressed by this um, uh, multi, how do you say that in English, vielfach, um, this sollen, sollen means uh, uh, duty, was uh, soll uh, sein is what has to be, in a moral sense. So this vielfache sollen, let's take a look at the translation here. Um, vielfach repeated ought, well that, that's one solution. It means it has many um, uh, lines of thought, many concepts within it, it's vielfach. It's, um, there are a lot of things that belong to this moral uh, obligation, which is absolute, there's absolute design. Um, there is no um, exception to what we accept as good. Welches doch zugleich nicht ist, that means this absolute being, this sollen, this good which um, is absolute in itself, doesn't exist. At the same time, it has absolute being, and at the same time, it has no being whatsoever. Now that is a contradiction on all sides. So what is that? Well, it contains, it expresses, the most abstract analysis of the spirit within him, uh, himself, within itself if you prefer that. So it's uh, an analysis of the spirit within itself. It is expressive of what the spirit finds within itself. Sanctifus in sich gain, it's the, the most deep going into itself. Then it finds this contradiction. Because it has this concept of what should be, what ought to be, but still is not. Die Beziehung der sich widersprechende Bestimmungen aufeinander ist nur die abstrakte Gewissheit seiner selbst und für diese Unendlichkeit der Subjektivität ist der allgemeine Wille das Gute, Recht und Pflicht ebenso wohl als auch nicht. Sie ist es, welches welche sich als das Wählende und Entscheidende weiß. So that is how we have to understand this contradiction. Uh, the relation of these contradictory determinations um, is, which means here is contained in or expressed by or known by, 
in the form of an abstract um, certainty of itself. So I'm aware of this contradiction, and that is the way this contradiction exists in my, in my awareness. So in this infinite self-awareness, infinite because whatever determination of the good turns up, there is always this contradiction um, that it both is and both uh, both is and is not. It is and it is not. So, in this abstract self-awareness, the general will, the universal will, which we call, call the good and right and duty, it is something of an absolute nature. I'm completely bound by it, I'm completely expressed by it, and yet uh, it isn't a reality. So what do I find then? If I am aware of this contradiction, if this contradiction is in itself an expression of my being, um, then I know that I am the one holding the contradictory sides together. Um, the only way to resolve the contradiction is to make a choice and to make a decision and to turn something that is a duty, something that I consider to be um, an ought to turn that into a reality. I have to make a choice, I have to make a decision. Diese sich auf ihre Spitze stellende reine Gewissheit seiner selbst erscheint in den zwei unmittelbar ineinander übergehenden Formen des Gewissens und des Böse. So we have conscience and we have evil. Um, this pure certainty of oneself, which is at the apex of everything, this appears in two immediately uh, transitory forms of the conscience uh, and evil. So conscience as the will of the good and evil as its opposite. Jenes ist der Wille des Guten, welches aber in dieser reinen Subjektivität das Nicht-Objektive, Nicht-Allgemeine, das Unsagbare ist. So, conscience is the will to do the good, but it has no objectivity, it has no universality. I mean, consider that everyone has a conscience, everyone has to make decisions about right and wrong, so there is nothing universal about it, and since it's all a matter of decisions, nothing is objective about it. Um, and if one was to ask you, what do you consider to be the good? Well, in essence, it cannot even be said. I mean, you can make some remarks about what you consider to be principles of good living or principles of good action. But as a whole, it cannot be said even. Das Unsagbare ist. Und über, welches, und über welches das Subjekt sich in seiner Einzelheit entscheidend weiß. This is something that you know, <coughs> that you as an individual have to make a decision about right and wrong. That is, in a way, the, um, <coughs> the pervasive 
uh, prejudgment, the pervasive um, uh, belief of Western Europe, of Western Europe civilization, of how morality works. Um, it's something that looks very akin to some forms of existentialism, in particular the existentialism of Jean-Paul Sartre, who, by the way, did give some universality to these individual choices by saying, by making a choice, you actually choose for the whole of humanity. Um, I'm not sure that Sartre managed to prove that, to demonstrate that, really. But it's something that he said. Um, so, we have something that is not universal, not objective, and I'm aware of the fact that the whole of my morality is making choices. Making choices for the good or for the bad. And whatever good and bad may mean, something I have to decide. Das böse aber ist dieses selbe Wissen seiner Einzelheit als das Entscheidende, insofern sie nicht in dieser Abstraktion bleibt, sondern gegen das Gute sich den Inhalt eines subjektiven Interesses gibt. Now that's very interesting. There is a difference between a good conscience and an evil conscience. Uh, the evil, however, is this same, is very important, this same knowledge of its own un uh, individuality as the um, uh, power of decision, power of making choices inasmuch as it is no longer simply part of this abstraction. So evil is not abstract, not, not as abstract as good, because at least it does something in particular. It takes the good and it puts itself in opposition to the good, gegen das Gute, and it gives itself a content. It decides to give itself a content of a subjective interest. Um, to illustrate that, let's consider that in general I accept the um, uh, right of property. So I know when I break in into a house and um, steal something from someone else, I know that is not the good. This cannot be a universal reality that um, we take each other's properties. Property is a right. And I would, as a thief, be um, not so happy when the goods that I have stolen and stored up in my barn um, will now be stolen by someone else. So I do not break in and steal stuff because I do not accept the law of property. But what I do <clears throat> is that I make for myself an ex exception. I give myself, I give my will the content of a subjective interest. So I'm saying, of course, I, I acknowledge the right of property, but in this particular case, seen from the perspective of my needs, um, I am allowing myself to uh, 
do something good for myself, there is a subjective interest, I can use the money, I need the money, or whatever subjective interest you might wish to invoke here. Um, and I know I'm acting against something good, but my private interest is more important to me than the universal content of the good. So that's no longer an abstract idea of all men need to do the good, I need to do the good, I need to decide <clears throat> what um, good I'm going to do. Evil is something that is actually within reality, is doing something in reality, it's not just the awareness of the contradiction, not just the awareness of the necessity that I make decisions and make choices. It does something. However, it doesn't do the good. So we have here ultimately this contradiction that morality that is operative, is effective within reality, is either evil and effective, or it is good and ineffective. If it's good, it's merely abstract, it's abstractly abstractly universal, the good in general, depending upon the circumstances, etc. Um, and on the other side, when it does give itself a reality, that reality is merely an attempt to uh, enforce my own subjective interest against the good that I know. Okay, so that is Hegel's description of this um, very general uh, contradiction, contradiction on all sides, uh, which cannot be solved within the rules and the order of um, morality itself. Morality deals with individual expression of the will, with the attempts to realize itself within the world, um, going beyond private interest, going beyond private needs, and it does so to some extent in conscience, but it cannot give itself a reality that is fully in harmony with its own will. Another way of saying that is that the moral will cannot achieve happiness. Happiness as the um, as an expression for the um, complete congruence of congruence of subjectivity and objectivity, complete harmony, um, presupposes that I express myself within the world, and the world gives me back uh, what I put in. Um, I can feel at ease and in peace when I act in conformity with the laws of morality, if that world in which morality is realized uh, is responsive to that. Um, if a good deed is punished, or if a bad deed is no longer punished, then of course this objective world does not bring me into harmony with itself uh, when I act uh, morally. So where is this happiness, this um, 
harmony between subjectivity and objectivity to be found? How do we achieve a morality that is congruent, that is in harmony with the reality that it produces? Now, morality has in itself this divide between the two. It's essential to it. So, there is no way that morality will achieve this. We have to move beyond morality. And that means we have to move beyond this relationship between a singular consciousness and an objective world, between a aware, an awareness of the universal and... Um, which is in contradiction with my own private interest, we have to move beyond those structures to get something which um, uh, capitulates... How does does one say that in English? Um, uh, Combines, let me use that word, combines or unifies subjectivity and objectivity, um, which allows me to express my will in reality and um, with, with, let's say, with success, effectively. Um, how can we achieve that? Now, we have to take a different look at my subjectivity, what is it, and we have to take a different look at the world, if you want to see how that is possible. Let me first take a look at the English translation of the paragraph that we just read. The all-round contradiction expressed by this repeated ought with its absoluteness, absoluteness, which yet at the same time is not, contains the most abstract analysis of the mind in itself, its deepest descent into itself, in sich gain. The only relation the self-contradictory principles have to one another is in the abstract certainty of self. So, I'm aware of them. That's the only thing. I'm aware of them. That's their only kind of unity. And for this infinitude of subjectivity, the universal will, good, right, and duty, no more exist than not. I mean, they exist, well, as concepts within myself, but they do not exist as they should Uh, exist in reality. The subjectivity alone is aware of itself as choosing and deciding. So it's it's the source of this continuous uh, contradiction. This pure self-certitude rising to its pitch appears in the two directly interchanging forms of conscience and wickedness. Uh, So, Gewissen und das Böse. The former is the will of goodness, but the goodness which through this pure subjectivity is the non-objective, non-universal, the unutterable, and over which the agent is conscious that he and his individuality has the decision. So we are this existential subject that makes choices between good and bad. Wickedness is the same awareness that the single self possesses the decision, so far as the single self does not merely remain in this abstraction, so I'm not just thinking that I can choose, but I have chosen, it takes up the content of a subjective interest contrary to the good. 
sorry, I have a subjective interest, something I really like or desire, and I know that it's not right to um, steal someone's property, but I do so anyway. Okay. Now we go on to paragraph 512, and that is the paragraph in which Hegel makes the transition to social ethics. Diese höchste Spitze des Phänomens des Willens, der bis zu dieser absoluten Eitelkeit. Let me read on here. First, verflüchtigt ist, sinkt unmittelbar in sich zusammen. So, this apex of the will that has now completely lost all substance. It's verflüchtigt, it's gone up in thin air collapses immediately into itself. If, I mean, if you <clears throat> take the result, the end result of morality, um, then you have something that doesn't have any stability. So I know I have to choose for the good at the same time. Um, evil is the only way I can give myself reality. By the way, for those of you who are interested in the Bible and theology, consider this as something that might be connected to Hegel's interpretation of uh, the fall of man in paradise, according to Genesis um, 3. Um, this idea that there is an objective law, but I'm aware of the fact that I need to make a choice, and the only real choice that I can make is a choice uh, from my private interest, etc. Uh, might be a, a nice topic for a discussion later on how these, um, the foundational text of uh, Genesis and Hegel's analysis coincide in some respects. <clears throat> of course, Hegel grew up with the Lutheran interpretation of that text. Now let's read the part um, here that we skipped over. Um, Hegel talks about absolute vanity, something that has no meaning whatsoever. Um, einem nicht objektiven, sondern nur seiner selbst gewissen Gutsein und einer Gewissheit seiner selbst in der Nichtigkeit des Allgemeinen. That, that, that is a short summary of what he talked about in paragraph 511. You see Hegel doing that quite often, that um, instead of using the same language um, in his summary, that his summary somehow uh, used different terminology uh, to stress, seemingly to stress other uh, aspects of the same idea. Now, what does he say here? The highest phenomenon of the will is not objective, it's subjective. It exists only in being good, um, a self-awareness of wanting to do the good, and a certainty of itself, an awareness of itself, um, that there is no such thing, or, or in the destruction rather, of the universal, that is when I take my private interest um, and use that against the good. So that is the ultimate contradiction. 
and that is the reason of its um, losing all substantiality. It collapses. collapses. Das Böse als die innerste Reflexion der Subjektivität in sich gegen das Objektiv und Allgemeine, das ihr nur Schein ist, ist dasselbe, was die gute Gesinnung des abstrakten Gute, welche der Subjektivität die Bestimmung desselben vorbehält, das ganz abstrakte Scheine, das unmittelbare Verkehren und Vernichten seiner selbst. Now, this is very important. This is the next step from paragraph 511 that Hegel says, well, we uh, were left with these two sides of the contradiction, this evil <coughs> expression of private interest against the good, and this abstract awareness of the good is something that I need to choose, that I need to decide for. And now he is saying, it's all the same. Evil is the most inner reflection of subjectivity within itself. Its subjectivity turned on itself. It's complete, completely self-consciousness of um, what I have to be very self-conscious when I do that, when I do something evil. I know I'm turning myself against the objectivity and universality of the good because das ihr nur Schein ist. And so, subjectivity sees the objectivity and universality of the good as something that is merely an illusion. Now, when you take a look at that, it's the same what is going on in this good um, uh, attitude of the abstract good um, that within subjectivity is um seen as the way to do actually do um the good let's consider um the objectivity and universality is only an allusion to the evil will now that's a choice right so in a way the good attitude to achieve the abstract good which meant the ability to, or the necessity to make a choice, is exactly the same as this power to make a choice against objectivity. In both cases, it is a destruction of itself. My ability to make a choice is, let's say, destroyed or negated by making that choice. Um, my um, ability to make a choice um, is evil when I choose against the good. But I can choose against the good. So my abstract good will, which implies the ability to decide, can decide against itself. It can be an immediate turning around, destroying and nullifying itself. If you have to choose for the good, which means that you can also decide not to do the good, then in a way that liberty, that freedom, that conscious, consciousness of the good that you have is in itself evil. 
It will turn evil, it allows evil, but it is in itself evil. The whole idea that our moral freedom uh, exists in the form of the ability to choose between good and bad, which was the <clears throat> general um, structure of morality that uh, was used, was discussed since Aristotle um, up to Hegel's era, in a way got it fully wrong by separating the good from evil in a way that ultimately um, negated the objectivity of the good and in a way that ultimately uh, made the free individual the bearer of morality. Um, Hegel has shown now that if the individual freedom, the individual moral good is actually um, seen as the source of good actions, that it is within itself evil because it cannot but produce evil. It has to. If it doesn't choose its evil, if it makes a choice, can become evil because of the circumstances, but even more to the point, it destroys thereby its own its own liberty. I mean, it's only good in as far as it hasn't made a decision. But as soon as it has made a decision, there's no longer such a thing as good. There's simply a fact within reality. And the same goes for evil, um, which at least has this advantage, that it is concrete. Um, I oppose, <clears throat> I oppose myself to the seemingly objective and universal, which doesn't exist anyway. Okay, let's go on. Das Resultat, die Wahrheit dieses Scheinens, ist nach seiner negativen Seite die absolute Nichtigkeit des, dieses Wollens, das für sich gegen das Gute, wie des Guten, das nur abstrakt sein soll. So, um, the result of all of these dialectical movements, the truth of this illusion, negatively means that um, there's no such thing as a will um, that goes against the good if the good is only something abstract, it can't even be directed against the good. If you steal something from someone else, um, th that liberty that turns against the universality of the right of property, um, is, I mean, something is achieved, something happens in the world, you obtain um, illegitimately someone's property. But in another sense, in the sense in which we talk about morality, nothing is achieved. If the good that you oppose doesn't exist so that you can oppose it, what does that opposition mean? Um, the immoral act destroys itself as an act that has any moral meaning whatsoever by being performed. And the good action destroys itself 
by becoming something a reality and then turns merely into a fact that can be taken, interpreted, however you want to take it. The good is only good if it remains abstract. But if it remains merely abstract, it only has an existence within myself. It's merely a fiction. On the other hand, the good is an ought. It has to realize itself in the world. Now, as soon as it does that, it loses this characteristics of good. Does nur abstract sein soll. It should or ought only to be abstract. That's the negative side. Nach der affirmative Seite in Begriffe ist, so in sich zusammenfallend, jene scheine dieselbe einfache Allgemeinheit des Willens, welches das Gute ist. So, um, considering that if you do something evil and you turn against the universality and etc., um, it's the same action. It's the same action. It's the same simple universality of the will which we have called the good before this. Um, so, an evil action <clears throat> destroys itself as a moral action and the good action destroys itself as a moral action. And both are the same. Evil and good conscience are actually the same. If they become realized, they lose their moral characteristic, and if they are not realized, then there is merely an ought without reality. Die Subjektivität in dieser ihre Identität mit demselben ist nur die unendliche Form dessen Betätigung und Entwicklung. So, that subjectivity that is in complete identity and unity with the good, with the universality of the will, is only something formal. It's only something that is... Um, acting out, uh, being done, that has no reality in itself. It's infinite form. Every moral decision you make, the only thing you do is make a choice and produce a reality or a change in reality. Um, no matter whether you try to achieve the good or whether you try to oppose the good, Uh, it's simply formal. Es ist damit der Standpunkt des bloßen Verhältnisses beider gegeneinander. Es ist damit der Standpunkt des bloßen Verhältnisses beider gegeneinander und des Sollens verlassen. Um, und zur Sittlichkeit übergegangen. Why is here now the transition into social ethics? Because this contradiction must have a basis to exist. Now, the subjectivity of my will will never achieve reality. Reality will 
be neutral or in opposition to my goodwill. Whenever I achieve something in reality, it's by doing something evil, so again I miss the good. How can we bring that to a unity? Well, we have to drop the contradiction. So, we have to drop the idea of a simple consciousness that holds the contradictory sides together. We have to drop the idea of an ought, uh, an absolute something that um, demands um, demands uh, to be realized. So, that is formally the collapse of morality into itself, and that in itself refers to a ground of morality, because, <clears throat> after all, if there was only this self-contradiction, this very complicated um, relationship between art and reality, um, then there wouldn't be any morality. So what holds the world together in such a way that there can be this uh, uh, shape of moral thought and moral action um, because the elements of morality do not hold morality itself together. There must be a different ground than morality itself because morality collapses into contradictions. Yet, morality is something by which most people um, consider their own being in this world, measure their own actions, explain um, the world in which they live with other people. Um, and morality was a necessary step beyond the sphere of right. It was a necessary step in the order of things to see whether or not something has the reality of liberty indeed exists, or let's say, um, whether liberty has a reality. Now, it doesn't have a reality as such within the sphere of morality, as we have seen, because my good intentions and the world are opposite, and my good intentions are within themselves contradictory. Um, if I decide my goodwill is lost because there is only a new fact, uh, if I perform on that decision, if I do not decide, the good remains totally abstract. It merely remains a demand. And if I choose against the good and make that <clears throat> uh, something that is absolutely um, performed and, and actualized in reality, then of course I'm doing evil. With regard to the discussion of existentialism, I find this element quite interesting. That in a way, the idea of a particular existence, an individual existence, that can give itself its own reality, that can provide itself its own morality, is only possible, according to Hegel, if it coincides with the evil will. If the uh, realization or actualization of my private interest becomes the most important thing in my life, 
then I can live as an existentialist, right? Then I can express fully my own being only when I do evil, only in opposition to the universal good. If I choose, however, to be a very good person and merely do the good, then I have no moral life whatsoever. I have a series of facts which uh, I caused, but the reality of the good is this mere abstraction of I have to do the good. However, I don't know what the good is. I have to decide that. And whatever I decide to do, the result of my action will always be different from the abstract idea of the good that I started out with. So we need a different way to look at the subjectivity of the will and a different idea of looking at the world in which um, we act. So, next time we'll look at the Zittlichkeit uh, as the Vollendung des objektiven Geistes, die Wahrheit des subjektiven und objektiven Geistes selbst. So, Zittlichkeit is the highest and it's the longest part, of course, of uh, Hegel's work here. Let's end by looking at the English translation. This supreme pitch of the phenomenon of will, sublimating itself to this absolute vanity, to a goodness which has no objectivity, this is very important, but is only sure of itself in the self-assurance which involves the nullification of the universal, collapses by its own war force. So, what, when we talk about the will, we have a goodness without objectivity, and we have an objectivity without goodness in the nullification of the universal, which is the evil. Wickedness is the most intimate reflection of subjectivity itself, most intimate because it's merely about my private interest. In opposition to the objective universal, which it treats as mere sham, or it considers to be an illusion, is something else as mere sham, is the same as the good sentiment of abstract goodness, is the same, this was very important, which reserves to the subjectivity determination thereof. So, abstract goodness says, I have to decide what is good, but that in a way is also in opposition to the objective and universal. If I have to decide it, then of course um, it all pertains to me and my individual life. And wickedness merely does that explicitly. Well, that's important to note. Let, let me repeat that. Um, so the goodwill operates by making a decision on the basis of this abstract idea of goodness. I have to make the decision. That's the ultimate of the goodwill. However, it's the same with wickedness. Uh, because I have to decide which particular interest I'm going to enforce against the known universal. So it's the utterly abstract semblance, the bare perversion and annihilation of itself. The result, the truth of this semblance, is on its negative side the absolute nullity of this volition, which would fain hold its own against the good. Uh, so <clears throat> doing evil is morally invalid. Doing good 
is morally abstract and insufficient. On the affirmative, oh, that went a bit too fast. On the affirmative side in the notion, this semblance thus collapsing is the same simple universality of the will which is the good. So if you take a more positive view of this, then move a bit beyond and above it, and then you can see that it is the same. It's the power of choosing abstractly, and it is this ever-changing reality in the conditions of my actions um, over against each other, and how can we bring those two together? The subjectivity in this, its identity where the good is already the infinite form. It's purely formal that I consider myself or I make my conscience uh, to be concerned with the good and with the good alone and refrain from evil actions. That's merely a play within myself. The infinite form which actualizes and develops it. So I can have all these dreams and ideas about what is moral, what is not. If you take a look at some chapters in the Phenomenology of Spirit, you see that the European culture went through a whole series of such moral expositions, moral ideas, uh, of course with Immanuel Kant as a high point. But um, morality, Hegel says here, of the subjectivity within morality is an infinite form. It can take on any content. In this way, the standpoint of bare reciprocity between two independent sides, the standpoint of the ought, is abandoned. So, this reciprocity between two independent sides, subjectivity of my will, and the objectivity of the outside world, or the reciprocity of the good will, and wickedness, they both imply each other, the standpoint of this reciprocity, which is the standpoint of the ought, ought implies all of this, is abandoned, and we have passed into the field of ethical life. As soon as we leave the standpoint of the ought, because we cannot simply maintain that the two sides of the contradiction actually uh, imply each other, they produce their own opposites. If that is not enough for us, we have to move into the field of ethical life. By the way, if you want an example of how the logic works um, behind all of this, if you take the um, transition between the final section of the logic of essence, then you find the reciprocity of two causes that interact with each other. Um, Wechselwirkung in German. I'm not sure what that is in the, in English, but the correlation between causes. A causes B and B causes A, so they cause each other, determine each other. And Hegel describes then the... Um, higher unity as the concept. And in the logic that is at first a subjective concept. So the concept is the way in which these two independent 
sides that are contradictory and yet at the same time uh, determine each other that structure um, <clears throat> can be understood as the concept and I think this transition from uh, morality um, to uh, social ethics uh, works out the same okay so that's it very difficult I have to um, get more grip on it I think uh, still um, have been ill for a while and this is really difficult stuff difficult to um, speak English again after so long a time but I hope that you um, find it found it useful and at least now we have a basis to um, consider social ethics first I'm going to read some paragraphs of social ethics from the encyclopedia and then we'll move to the lectures on the philosophy of right okay thanks for listening um, good luck with your studies and hope to see you next time